Hello, welcome to the Growing Design Podcast, where we help you grow your design agency. If you want to learn how to price your services, how to sell your expertise, and how to attract the right type of clients, you've come to the right place. I'm your host, Ed Orozco. Let's get started. Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of Grow in Design. Today, we're going to be talking to Simon Martin. Um, Simon, do you mind introducing yourself for the audience, who you are, what you do? Sure. Yeah, thanks, Ed. Um, thanks for having me. So, yeah, my name is Simon. Um, I'm an interface and uh, experience designer from Berlin. And, um, yeah, I'm working in the field of uh, music software. Great. Um, Simon, you're also the owner slash co-founder of uh, an agency called Resonant Design. Can you tell us um, what Resonant Design is all about? Yeah, sure. Um, so we are three designers um, who, who founded the agency and this is basically still the core team. And yeah, I mean, we, we did this to kind of... Uh, or try to help establish um, human-centered design principles in the field of um, audio software and, and music production because we felt there's quite a big gap and yeah, you as a musician can probably tell. Yeah, um, I don't know if the audience knows, but definitely my friends do. I, I play the guitar and I, I'm a big fan of music and I've been making music for many, many years. So when I came across Resonant and, and the work of Simon, I was very interested right away uh, to see someone combining UX and, uh, and creating software with, uh, with the music production uh, environment, which like you said, I think needs a lot of help. Um, and we're gonna talk a little bit about that, but I wanna know, uh, sort of like the backstory, like what led you to focus uh, as a designer in the in the music production field? Mm -hmm. um, yeah, so I basically my music uh, background is, is mostly in um, DJing. So I I started DJing with I don't know thirteen years or so, like really early, and um, yeah, this kind of developed in the same time my interest for for DJing then like for um, like expressing my creativity and um, um, I had no idea that I want to become a designer back then but um, I was uh, doing graffiti and these kinds of stuff so already quite visual and yeah, at some point um, during my, my studies, so I actually studied interface design. Um, and uh, during that time, I uh, kind of uh, developed the idea to work for native instruments to yeah, really uh, try to combine these uh, two big passions of mine or these two fields of interest. Um. For those who are not familiar with native instruments, native instruments are one of the uh, major players in the uh, software creation for musicians. 
uh, they have a lot of applications for bass players, uh, for guitar players, and for other musicians as well. And um, and yeah, you you work there for quite some time, right? Um, about five years. Yeah. yeah how's your experience there? First, first of all, like, mm. how did you decide to apply there? Uh, how was your process, and like, uh, what was your experience like? Um, basically, I was really just trying to get an uh, to get an internship that I needed for my for my studies, and this um, immediately worked out. And um, directly after the internship, I started as a call it kind of probably like a working student. So I just stayed there for I don't know twenty hours a week or so, and um, uh, till I finished my studies, and then I really I just transitioned into a full time job there. That's very cool. Uh, was that in Berlin? Yeah. Okay. Is it very common for these companies to take um, sort of like undergrads or, or students and sort of train them? Or is was it just like a special occasion? I mean, it was already then not really a, um, a training, I would say. So I guess they definitely want some some level of experience and also already quite a portfolio uh, with with stuff um, but i guess the most important thing is really uh, to to share this um this common passion uh, for music that basically everybody in this company has and which makes it so great that's awesome uh how many people are uh, in in that office or work in that office I don't know how many there are now, but um, at my times it was already, I think, alone in Berlin, kind of maybe 400. And worldwide, that time, uh, I guess something like 600, which is really, really huge for an for a, a audio software company. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Every, every I can imagine. Uh, okay, that's very cool. Um, did you feel like, or, or what was the design environment in in native instruments uh or can of can you like tell us without you know breaking any law or or anything can you tell us a little bit about what's the process like when working in in a company like native instruments like how do you think about and approach the design process that you would probably not see in a in a in other environments yeah um I mean, first of all, Native Instrument consists of a lot of different teams that work on a lot of different products. Um, so they got drum machines, so really um, hardware controllers to play uh, live. Or, and, um, and I worked in a field um, for the actual software instruments. So all kinds of stuff like um, synthesizers or... Um, pianos, flutes, whatever. Um, and the design process, yeah. I mean, it's obviously you um, you have this very, if you compare it to, to a, really a consumer product, you have quite a, um, a small or, or a narrow uh, target group already, right? And um, this makes it a little bit easier. Um, uh, to yeah to just basically imagine uh, how people use uh, use your stuff or um, yeah it's it's 
probably a bit different uh, difficult to to really go into depth and uh, about the 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 detailed design processes there but um obviously everything is is um around um the musician and uh, or the modern music maker if that's probably a good way to call it nice um so when you were working at na uh, native instruments uh you were i imagine since this is such a such a niche sort of um target which is you know people who produce music with software which you know maybe there's a lot of people that do that but it's a way smaller group or subset of people if you compare it with let's say people who use instagram or people who use your regular consumer yeah. app so do you feel like that has an impact in the way you like carry out user testing is like do you feel like it's easier because you sort of know what people are expecting or or what are what's your take on that i mean obviously it's still um also also this this quite narrow group of people is still very diverse right so there are a lot of different genres first of all like and and, and people tend to yeah like use tools differently and in, in different genres and um or when they when they do different styles of music and it's also um a field where people have developed or, or tend to develop quite like very very personal workflows and in, in how they use their gear or their software so it's still really important to just go out and, and meet people and interview people and so i think it's basically not so much of a difference in terms of, of user testing that you i mean it's it's still important to find a, a very diverse group of people and um, um yeah try to to cover everybody from beginner to pro and yeah um And also, I, I imagine you had to make sure that you didn't design something that was too much for a certain type of genre because it wouldn't appeal other genres. Sure, yeah. I mean, what we tried in this in this instrument team was always to, with the visual design at least, to work out really the character of the instrument. So um, obviously, like a... Um, a very classical instrument like a violin or something you would expect a certain look and and feel of the software right um compared to maybe like a super crazy synthesizer that does a lot of bleeping crazy sounds and um so yeah i think like working out the character of the instrument is, is more important and keep it yeah you're right like keep keeping it quite neutral in in a sense of um what genre you wanna uh, you wanna cover on yeah um i've noticed that in still in the software making or, or like all of this uh music production software like unlike most other software applications that we find in our day-to-day -day, they are still there's like a very clear uh sort of like aesthetics that's very skeuomorphic that reminds me a lot of the early versions of ios and, and and it's something that i've seen across you know apple native instruments and and whatnot so um wh why do you think that is 
yeah i mean this is a big topic in that um in that field definitely um i mean um i think it made sense at some point like also for ios it made sense at some point um i think just the the development was faster with these um with these kinds of consumer uh, products um so yeah i'm i mean i'm also wondering sometimes why it, why why it's still existing or uh, why you still have these these really direct metaphors of um i don't know yeah like a um a mixer with faders and and stuff you want, can grab and and play with but um yeah i guess it's um it's still important to uh to think about people and in, in which environment they are and you know they're they're most of the people probably still use hardware and um like real synthesizers and, and pianos and, and things and um so it's hard to go too far away from that right yeah so I, you yeah. you bring up a great point which is uh first of all sorry about that pop i <laughs> I want to uh, clarify because uh, some people in our audience are not designers. Mm -hmm. So I want to clarify what skeuomorphic is. Skeuomorphic is a design uh, aesthetic line, we can call it, or a design style in which software is made to look like it's a physical product. So everything is sort of 3D. Everything sort of like looks like if it's a real thing or the 3D model of a real thing. And the reason is most it's mostly used because a lot of the digital products uh, that we are creating and that sort of, I think, started with the iPhone, they're trying to mimic something that already exists in the real world. So if you guys Google like the early versions of iOS and iPhone, you can see that the notepad looks like a real paper notepad and the calculator looks like a real brown calculator. So all of that is sort of like to make it easier for everybody to understand what the role of the app is for and to make it easier for you to transition from the physical world into the uh, digital realm. I don't, did I explain that sort of accurately? Absolutely. Yeah, totally. Yeah, yeah I mean, it's, it's partly really photorealistic, um, like emulations of um, what's going on in the real world, yeah. And yeah, but I mean, we can we can definitely see a clear uh, shift to more uh, modern ways of, of visualizing things. Yeah, the, the thing that you brought up that I think is very interesting is if you look at the workflow of, of a musician, like if you go and Google this this guy FKJ and like people who combine traditional I mean, air, air quote, traditional instruments like the electric guitar and the electric bass uh, with uh, software. So they maybe have a MacBook, an iPad, and maybe uh, an electric guitar and, and maybe a couple of keyboards. Everything that they're doing is very sort of like um, touchable, very physical. Like they are, their hands are interacting with the keys in the keyboard, interacting with the strings in the, in the guitar. So maybe this is just me here kind of like speculating but maybe this is the reason why the music uh music interfaces still try to emulate a lot a lot of like 
physical products sort of like to don't sort of like to connect better what's going on in the in the environment of the musician yeah yeah i totally agree um yeah for me it also it, it just makes sense because uh, i mean it, it you can also call something a bad uh, bad ux if you have to to learn something new that is actually already so you, you have such a clear um picture of or um yeah definitely okay so we go from native instruments into starting your own agency can you tell us about the story of how that happened um why did you decide to start your own agency yeah um yeah i mean i uh probably before i uh before i start that i, I have to say again that like working at native instruments was really a, a good experience i learned a lot and it's it's a great company with a really a, um, a very unique and and um, uh, a great culture like really basically everybody is, is somehow interested in, in in music and this creates such a such a good vibe and um, a really inspiring workplace and um, but still it's a big company and um, big companies tend to I don't know yeah at some point a little bit complicate their uh, processes and um, and I and my co-founder Fabian we really more or less at the same time we just felt that we're a little bit stuck as designers since we really like projects took quite a long time you were really working on, on the same product for, for, for a while and we just wanted to yeah have some more um, some more input also and, and and definitely more output and yeah we then really uh, we we talked about it and we just made a decision to to quit that and um we really just started without too much of planning and then um were you guys first of all what was fabian also working with you yeah. at native instruments and so you guys were having a beer or coffee and said, you know what, we should start our own agency. Was that kind of like <laughs> probably not happened? so fast, but um, yeah, I mean, we we were we we became friends at, at Native Instruments, so this is where we got to know each other, and and yeah, we we just uh, we were just hanging out quite a lot and and um, jamming on on these things back there together, and. Um, yeah, since we both had this at the same feeling, it was it was really feeling natural that we that we try to do that. And of course, we we prepared a little bit in in terms of um, like like activating our network and and talking to people outside of the company if they could imagine like hiring us for um, for for a project or um, stuff like this. So we kind of tried to get a sense of um, how the market is out there for for freelance designers first of all like agency was also a, a word that that sounded or back then a bit too um, a bit too much or yet <laughs> and uh, I, I love that part so you you were sort of testing the waters to see if someone would even consider hiring you 
and like if there's a market for what you were trying to to sell how did you go about your research um like you mentioned that your network um but what were like the questions or what was your process to kind of like gauge if there was a demand for for you know uh start an agency that's focused on designing uh, music production software mm -hmm. um i mean the the design team at native instruments was um was showing us quite clearly that it was it was quite hard to find designers um that want to work in that field surprisingly or maybe it was because of i i guess some or, or many designers I know they they try to avoid working for a for a single company um, or going into um, like a design department of one company. They rather go into agencies because um, yeah, you're just having or, or gaining more experience there and working on more uh, more interesting stuff. And. Um, yeah, so we had uh, we definitely knew it's hard to find people, and there is a big demand, and um, yeah, we just went from there. Oh, that's so cool! And then, okay, so you made the decision, and you start uh, creating the the agency. Um, how long did it take you from the day you were officially unemployed until you got your first paying client? Uh, I think three months kind of something like this I mean this was the time to to really set things up it's quite easy in, in, in Germany to start a company um, and so this was really no hassle and um, but we um, we applied still for for some kind of a um, small support you get or you can get from the from the state and um, this was actually most of the work like really writing a business plan and, and fleshing out the idea and then like kind of uh, convince some people of um, uh, yeah that this is a good idea to do and yeah but but really I mean we it, it, it wasn't so hard to find people in the end they, they were really more or less coming on their own really did you um, how's your marketing strategy did you like reach out to people did you run google ads did you go on the street with a sign and start yelling that all of that so great to run through berlin and um, and uh, shake sign uh, no we really don't have any marketing strategy still not we have our website and we have um our portfolios on behance and and um and whatnot so this is in the end really um, where where people find us, and um, we are um, we are super lucky to uh, to be in this situation that we really don't have to um, to do any like really active marketing. And I think like obviously since Native Instruments is such a um, such a big player in in this field, it, uh, like when people heard um, that there are there are back then we were just Fabian and me now it's Hauke Fabian and me um, so when they heard there are two people from or two designers from Native Instruments doing doing freelance work now they this was really enough to to get get the people interested and it's such as I mean this is the 
probably the advantage to write again of, an, of a niche. Uh, I mean, you already talked about it in a whole series <laughs> of your podcast. Um, yeah, it's a small niche and, um, and, and the word spread it kind of. I, I love that you brought it up and it wasn't me. Um, <laughs> but, uh, but you have the, so you have a portfolio and you decided to go to double down on designing only for musical product, music production, uh, software. In yeah. fact, I think I read, uh, like a, you have a little description on your website. If you scroll all the way, uh, somewhere on your website, you have, um, we, uh, we design and work with, uh, music companies and, and then unlike, you know, other companies or agencies that work with web design and, you know, UX and marketing research and branding and blah, 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 for all kinds of people. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we, we, uh, so this was, was, was really a decision we made, so, um, to, I think to be successful in a niche like that, you need to be, um, uh, authentic and, you know, like having a portfolio totally mixed with, I don't know, um, consumer apps and, um, I don't know, medical interfaces or stuff like this. And then like convincing somebody, uh, that you are the one, uh, that knows everything about, uh, <laughs> uh, UX and, and music production is, is hard. So. Um, and we weren't sure if this is going to work out and, um, luckily it did and it's getting, it's getting better and better. Yeah. You got, you guys did everything right. Like you selected a very narrow niche that you had deep knowledge of and a lot of experience and you were passionate about. So all of those things combined definitely shines through your portfolio. Um, I have, I'm kind of like wondering or sort of like curious about what did you put on your portfolio? Because I imagine most of the things you did at Native Instruments are covered under NDAs. So did you put like concept projects or, or how did you go about it? Hmm. Um, so we were, we were quite lucky to, um, after we left Native, we still did one project or, or it was not only one, it was two or so we still did for native instruments and, and we could already show that as, um, as, um, as a thing that we did as resonant design. Um, cause yeah, sure. We, we couldn't, uh, show the stuff that we did for native instruments, but we kind of found a way, I think, uh, around that because we still had our personal portfolios and, and people could find our personal websites and stuff. And, and yeah, I think, this made it made it much much easier, and there was basically no need for for um, for for made up uh, use ca uh, um, case studies or something like that. That's great. So um, so to this day, all of your clients come either from your because they saw your portfolio, or because they got recommended by someone else. Like someone else recommended you. I guess so. Um, yeah, that's that's probably how it, how it goes. Um, so I guess Behance is, is really a, an important, uh, website, uh, or a service that, that, uh, brings people to us because I think, yeah, most people that, that 
are not so much in in in, in the field of design. They, they this is the the name they know, and um, they go there. And and if you search for for VSTE design or or um, synthesizer designs, there's not so much coming up. No, I I, I like. If you Google VST or like, you know, logic plugins or I don't think you're going to find a lot, even on Behance. Yeah, true. No, yeah, this made us so, so sure in the end that, um, that this is probably going to work out. Yeah. And also for, you know, companies trying to hire, uh, designers and are not aware of Behance. Behance is like the largest portfolio site for creative people. Uh, so you have photographers, um, motion graphics, you have all sorts of things. Um, there's another one that's very popular for for visual designers. Uh, it's called Dribble. Are you guys uh, on Dribble at all? Not really actively, I have to say. I, I never really understood how to uh, how to how to sign up for it, and you have to get an, an invite or something. I think. Um, so this was already throwing me off a bit and i mean i i, I definitely want to want to don't want to uh this uh dribble or the designers posting stuff there but i always had the feeling that it's a little bit um just on the visual surface kind of so the projects you see there it's it's quite hard to, to find really to go go into depth and and find more inf information about processes and, and what. yeah i think that's my number one sort of criticism uh that i have from of dribble although to be to be fair i don't think their their objective is to focus on process but rather on visuals but totally. it's really hard for a ux designer or for someone that's more focused on um sort of like the product development product strategy side of things to shine on dribble because it's very difficult to explain what you do it's just static images it's basically like instagram for designers yeah. and there's not a lot of like you post a picture or a couple of pictures and then a bunch of text that nobody reads so it's kind of complicated whereas behance is all design around sort of like building your own case study you can add images and videos and text and dividers and all sorts of things yeah yeah it's much more flexible yeah yeah. Okay. So for, in your opinion, what's different between designing for music applications versus doing regular product design? Um, yeah, it's, uh, that's an interesting question. Um, it's probably, it's probably a bit hard for me to, to, um, to answer it really completely because I haven't done so much, uh, product design for other product products. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's uh, what what makes a big uh, big difference for me is is really this if you can if you can identify with the um, with the people that are using your product or the product you're designing for if you if you if you kind of feel really um, like a, a real empathy not not like okay I I do some research and and, and I try to talk to people so like if you if you really feel what their um what their goals are and what their um, life is all about and i think you can approach things a bit differently and, and this yeah makes it makes a big difference i guess and um 
yeah so how do you because because you were just mentioning that this is part of like uh your your passion you you actually produce music you've been doing uh you've been doing djing for a very long time and how how does it feel or like how do you go about like combining these two things and like do you think knowing the process of creating music gives you sort of like the inspiration to like maybe explore more instead of like staying within the boundaries of of regular software design um maybe i mean um i i have to say um i'm i'm not producing music in a way that i release stuff or um like i mean fabian is doing that um he's he's probably the most professional um musician of us um but and and i also think you 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 don't have necessarily have to have this this deep technical knowledge um but um yeah just feeling feeling a kind of a connection to the to the um to the people you're designing for this is um this is what makes it so so special i think and what what of course sparks creativity and and um also being around with like i mean the our clients they are they are all the same uh, in that sense right like everybody's um so passionate about that and you can like um every meeting is super interesting because we are we're just flowing on the same wave kind of and this is um this makes it super easy to to be creative or, or to, to create an environment that is um that yeah, t- uh, talking about creative output. Yeah, yeah so, sorry, didn't mean to cut you off. I was <laughs> just going to uh, point out the fact that for those of you who are not watching this on YouTube but are listening to it, um, Simon's background is filled with synthesizers and keyboards and all sorts of widgets and gadgets for creating music. And he was telling me before we started recording that they just moved into their new studio. So can you tell us about the process of creating your studio? Because it looks more like a music production studio than what you were. <laughs> you're like, you're only you... seeing that part. Yeah. Um, he, he has actually a lot of desks also. And um, and there's a small kitchen. And I mean, this is this is really more of an office than than um than a music studio really maybe you can also i don't know how the sound is now but it's still very um very echoey in here and um since it's really still also a little bit under construction um but yeah this was definitely a big step for us and and and, and, a, and a great um a great deal to to have our own space like we were working like I think one and a half years uh, from a co-working space here in Berlin, which was also great. But yeah, like I think having your own space and the possibility to to really bring all the music stuff here and and, and really uh, yeah combine everything now and and be able to to jam a bit after work and this is just really great. Really thankful that this this worked out. Do you guys sort of like sometimes when you're thinking through a problem, like play music, like in the middle of the day? Um, it didn't happen yet, but we're also here since two weeks. So <laughs> give us 
give us a bit more time and I guess um, stuff like this will happen. Um, I mean, yeah, we, we, we often um, tackle design problems that are that, that might, uh, might be easier to solve if you just step back from the computer and, and actually do something something else. And yeah, I guess this will, this will happen quite a, quite a lot. Do you expect that now that you have your own space with all the, all the uh, equipment that you're going to get to like sort of test the products yourself and kind of like put them in context of like an entire setup and see how, what you're designing uh, sort of like interacts with everything happening around it? I mean, I guess we were um, also before we were possible, uh, we were able to do that um, because everybody had some some stuff at home and, and at least a MIDI keyboard and, and a kind of a small setup. And um, I mean, this this is obviously in this um, in this uh, field important to to uh, yeah have a look or or, or really feel this this. Um, situation of, of making music I mean often it probably uh, happens when it's dark outside and you probably dim down everything a bit and you don't want the screen to be super bright so sure like top like stuff like contrasts and and, and how colors are, are used uh, this, is, this is definitely um, a big topic we, we always try to um, experience in the real uh, environment yeah, I never thought about that, but it's true that uh, most stages when you're playing live are dark. Mm. So I guess that's why there's a lot of um, dark mode theme um, applications so that it's, you don't have this white glare like sort of blinding you in the middle of the stage. Absolutely. Um, yeah, this is definitely... Uh, um thing that uh, that is very consistent in, in music software like or yeah. actually i mean ableton uh, still still has no dark mode i think but oh really i, I thought they had dark mode. maybe they have it like they have well, the gray normal one yeah and well we don't know um so i wanted to to ask you what's like sort of like how do you pitch or how do you engage the first time with the client and explain what you do because i like you said there's not a lot of designers or agencies doing this type of work so how do you go and, and explain them hey this is what we do and this is what you should work with us mm -hmm. um i mean most of the time they they already know quite a bit about us and um i mean they already decided to contact us so they um they definitely have an idea of what we're doing and they know the products that we have been uh, working on. Um, so most of the time there's not so much explanation uh, necessary really of what exactly we are doing, but um, we always obviously tell um, what our process looks like. So how, how, um, how much time we take for, for different design phases and, and what we exactly do there. and. I don't know. It's always important to us to 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 make clear that we don't hide away for um, a couple of weeks and then show something, so that it's really a very transparent and and um, iterative uh, way of working, and and that the client is always um, always a part of that. 
do you guys only do uh, sort of desktop and uh, applications or, or have you work with mobile applications and maybe with the sort of like tiny little display that some synthesizers have? Um, since we, we started Resonant Design, it's really mostly uh, desktop software. Um, and we, yeah, we, we def would definitely wish to, to um, get some more, um, some more projects in, on, yeah, for mobile devices and that stuff, because yeah, whole different thing again. And um, yeah, but there's just there's just not so much going on in that field. I mean, there are a couple of like um, a couple of apps that are super helpful, or um, but but most of the the mobile music software is really I don't know to to either be a complete beginner and get into music making in a very playful way or stuff. Um, but still, the most of the like really serious software is is desktop based. And but yeah, we're definitely hoping to get some more um, stuff like that on our tables. It, do you see yourself sort of like growing into also designing the hardware? Like the physical hardware, more of like industrial design type of work. I mean, Hauke um, is—he uh, is actually an industrial designer, and um, but he very early already transitioned uh, to to um, UI and UX work um, and, and software. Um, I mean, it's a it's it's a very it's again a very different um, field, I think, and. Um, I don't know if I personally would feel super comfortable with it, or, or yeah. I mean, I'm just I just love the the, the endless possibilities you have um, in software and how to how to make stuff look like and work like and and I think there's still so much so much potential in this field that um, I'm personally not so interested in working on hardware. That's very cool. Um, yeah, the computer is uh, is the instrument now, and I only see that continuing to be the trend for the for the foreseeable future. Um, also, because you can just you know get a very powerful laptop that's very um, lightweight, and that can be kind of like your hub when you're uh, playing live. Um, all right, so Simon, thank you so much for your time and for sharing with us uh, your your story and and your passion of combining music and ux production i think is super cool is one of the most amazing examples i've seen of of niching down in the ux field and i would definitely encourage everyone who's still sort of wondering like what to focus on to check out uh, resonant um, i'm gonna put the the link to resonance website on the description and also where can people go on to find more about you, connect with you, and maybe hire you for their new plugin or application? Um, I mean, I guess our website is um, is a good way to start, and uh, you will find that under resonant.design. Pretty easy, and um, yeah, I mean LinkedIn is is a good place definitely to connect. And um, yeah, I guess just just uh, dropping us a line, and, and we will will uh, answer every everything as soon as possible. And happy to hear 
um, about your project. All right, that's cool. Um, okay, everyone. So that was Simon Martin with Resonant Design. Uh, they're focusing on the UX of musical production or music production software. Uh, thank you again, Simon, for your time. And um, yeah, enjoy your weekend. Thank you so much for having me. Have a good weekend. You too. <laughs> Bye, everybody. Thank you.